Hello, that's Sarah. And that's Emily. And this is Lightweight True Crime. It's hard every week so hard. Try, trying to do it over Zoom. It just doesn't have that same that same rhythm, you know? I know. So what are we drinking, Sarah? We're drinking the true hero of this quarantine, some two-buck chuck. Two-buck chuck. Thank you, Trader Joe's. Trader Joe's is the best. I love Trader Joe's. And I went the other day, and there was actually not a line. What? Um, so I just walked right in. It was nice. That's amazing. I know wild i have recently um discovered that because in my town there's uh like a independently owned like organic grocery store which i don't go to a lot because it's expensive but it's close to where i live and i discovered that they always have toilet paper because nice. no one goes there expecting to find toilet paper yeah um so that's uh my town's best kept secret um, so there's always toilet paper and I even found like some lavender scented hand sanitizing spray, which I've not been able to Fancy. find any, any kind of hand sanitizer. Yeah. So, so I counted that as a serious win. That is, that is a win. Does it have alcohol in it? Is it like I real so. or is it just, <laughs> who knows? Even if it's placebo effect, I'll take it at this yeah. time. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I'll for sure take it. So yeah, how you been holding up in like week 75 of this quarantine? I know. I mean, like other than having full body hives for 20 days in a row, I'm great. So you're doing well then? Yeah, I'm doing great. Yeah. 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 That's a fun thing to try and figure out without being able to see a doctor in person. It is. Yeah. I keep calling and I'm like, I don't care if I get exposed to COVID-19. I just (laughs) want to go see a doctor in person. And they're like, yeah. They're like, no, I know you might have leprosy, but you know, sorry, we can't. You might be the boy whose skin fell off the TLC yeah. special, but yikes. sorry, I know. So I talked to an allergist the other day on the phone, and she was like, she was like, honestly, I'm surprised that I haven't broken out in hives because I'm trying to work from home, and my four kids are trying to do homeschool, and it's nuts. And I was like, yeah. She was like, you could just be ha- like having like stress hives and like yeah probably but also like just fix me yeah fix me please yeah yeah I saw an article the other day that was saying that like parents who are working from home right now and also like either watching kids or like trying to help them with homeschool their days are actually like three hours longer because like it's yeah it's like never in the history of the world have we asked people to do both right at the same asked- time Everyone, everyone, you know, like for me, like working from home and being a mom, a stay at home mom, like every day I'm asked to take care of Micah and yeah, that's true. Do work. But for some reason it's harder now that everyone is doing it. I don't know. It's like the collective weight of it all. Everybody's like everyone you're working with now is doing the same thing. Right. And 
yeah, it's so many. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. So many zoom calls last night. Oh my gosh. So it was my aunt's birthday uh-huh. and I, um, carry an unnecessary weight to like make everyone in my extended family get along. And so I was like, let's do a zoom birthday party for aunt Chris. And it was like all of my relatives who don't know how technology works, including my sister who's younger than I am and like yeah. couldn't, fi- couldn't figure out zoom to save but her life. She's kind of a hippie. So she's kind of Nick Miller from new girl. Like Absolutely. She, she's an old man. Yeah. And um, it was just so stressful and uncomfortable. And then finally, like, I was like, okay, this is over. All right. Bye. Happy birthday. We're going to sing you happy birthday. And then we're going to be done. Aww. So I just, I just want us to all be able to get drunk in each other's presence again. And that's how yeah. you navigate family gatherings. Yeah. Oof. This is, at you least know. you tried. You're, you're, you really are like the best of your family. Everybody comes to you. <laughs> I miss my therapist. That's what I said yeah. when that was over last night. I was like, I should call Chris. <laughs> yeah. Are you doing like, cause I mean, I guess now you could do virtual like sessions I, with him. I could, wanted. I could, but I got my new job and like the way that that works is like, I have a health savings account and uh, yeah. I need to accrue some more dollars in yeah. my health savings account. Also, you'll notice I'm super sporty spicy these days. Oh yeah. You're wearing your Fitbit. I'm wearing my Fitbit because it helps me accumulate money for my HSA, which is kind of the only incentive that would ever work to like have me, um, like maintaining a certain number of steps each day. Um, but that's where we're at. Nice. What else do I have to focus on? You know, taking laps in your apartment. I have literally been doing laps in my house. Oh my gosh. To meet my step. Or walking. Um, so there are different types of goals, and like one of them is you get a dollar deposited if you do 500 steps like each hour for six hours. So like it'll buzz and be like, time to get moving. And so I just walk around until I have 500 steps. Oh my gosh. It's a sad existence. Anyway, uh, this is lightweight true crime. This is where two girls share a drink and a story. And we already told you about our drink. Yeah. So should we just get to it? I think, Emily, please tell me a story. Yeah. So I'm going to tell you this crazy story. I got this story. One of my friends, Angelica, obsessed with this podcast. Shout out to Angelica. She told me that one of the last episodes, she was listening to it in Costco. And we said something that just made her laugh out loud. And so she was like wearing her mask, laughing, listening to the podcast. (laughs) And she said people were looking at her like she was crazy. And I was like, everybody's crazy right now. It's fine. That's the best. That makes me so happy. I know. Um, So she sent me this story. Um, It's the unicorn killer. Um, He's also, well, we'll, 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 we'll get to it. Okay. Okay. So this story spans a long time. So we're starting in 1977. Um, Holly Maddox, she leaves her apartment in New York city. She drives back down to Philadelphia to get the rest of her things from her apartment that she used to share with her ex-boyfriend um, of five years. So they just broke up a couple months ago. Um, she's going back to get her stuff. Um, but when she doesn't come home, um, they start searching for her. Um, and so police come and they question her ex. His name is Ira Einhorn. Um, you know, they ask him where she's where she's been. He said, oh yeah, she was here. She got her stuff and she left. 
Um, she, last time I saw her, she said she was going out to the local co-op to buy tofu and sprouts mm-hmm. and never came back, which I picture, Likely story. right. I picture this co-op being like your, the grocery store that you <laughs> go to, <laughs> like harvest to buy fresh. that stuff. Yep. Sounds harvest about right. fresh. Probably what it was called. Um, and so Holly and Ira are huge hippies. Um, and I'll tell you about that in a little bit. Um, so he said, he just assumed that like, she had got all her stuff. And when she, you know, went out to the store, she just left, you know, he, she's his ex. He's not really keeping tabs on her. He doesn't really care because they're broken up. Um, and so after a few months, nothing new happens. She doesn't call. She doesn't, um, show up. No one can find her. Um, family and friends start to really question this ex-boyfriend because they start hearing weird stories about him. So um, the friends and family are saying like they're talking to each other and they're both kind of realizing that like nobody really ever really liked him. So friends were saying that he had been kind of a bully. He was kind of mean. Um, The family never really liked him either. Um, And so they start to kind of look, look into him and see what he was like. So let's talk about this guy, Ira. So a few weeks before he met Holly, so like I should have calculated the year, but I think it was like 1970 or 1969. um, He was a college student um, and him and a bunch of friends started up this thing called Earth Week Committee. So they were huge hippies. They were very anti-culture, anti-establishment, anti-war. And they were students at University of Pennsylvania. Um, and back then they called Philadelphia filthy Delphia because <laughs> it was just so gross. Mm-hmm. There was like, there was no real good wa- like water filtration system. Like there was just so much pollution. Um, and so they were part of this group to kind of start this anti destroying the world. Sure. Environmental group. Yes. That's what it's called. There it is. Um, Anti-environmental destruction. Um, And so they called themselves the Earth Week Committee. And so a group of them had planned this whole Earth Week thing where it was going to be, you know, a whole week long of protests and gatherings. And it was going to all culminate on what they called Earth Day, which ended up being April 22nd, 1970. Just happened. Yeah. Yep. So this is the first Earth Day. Okay. Um, so him and a group of people um, created this thing. And at the end, on April 22nd, it was a huge protest of about like 20 million people around the whole country went to parks, went to everything, and they protested um, for, I guess they were protesting. They were advocating uh, for. They were advocating yeah. for environmental rights, get things cleaned up. Yeah. Um, And so as friends and family are kind of talking to people who knew Ira, they start to hear weird stories about him and all the people who were planning this Earth Week. So the meetings when they were planning it were held at Ira's house. And he was he was like a co-founder of it. And the other guy um, who was like the chair of it had said that for all of the meetings, he was always naked and he always thought that was weird. (laughs) just naked while they're planning the meetings Mm -hmm. um and he ended up being like just super argumentative um they like tried to kick him out of the group 
like tons of times, but he just like, I mean, the meetings were held at his house. So it was really hard for them to like find a new spot. Um, (laughs) So at Earth Day in Philadelphia, like the main thing, he gets on stage and he grabs the mic and he refuses to leave the stage for 30 minutes. So there's this picture of him like talking into the mic and we'll put the picture on on our Instagram Um, and it looks like he's like, you know, on stage, like rallying the people and everyone's super excited. But in reality, he was like just rambling nonsense for like 30 minutes and people were like, get this guy off the stage. Um, but so he's kind of gone down in history as like one of the people who helped, you know, start earth day. But in reality, he didn't, he was nuts. Okay. Um, so now Holly's friends and family are like, okay, this guy was kind of crazy. You know, everybody thought he was like this great guy, but now we're really confused. And so they, they go to the police and they're like, well, we can't really do anything. So they hire a private investigator because now it's been 18 months since she's been missing. It's been oh a year gosh. and a half. So and how old was she? She was, I don't know exactly how old she was, but they were like young. They were like in their late twenties. Okay. Um, And, um, so it's 1979 and they had hired this private investigator and he's snooping around. Um, and at the same time, neighbors start reporting a funny smell coming out of Ira's apartment. So, um, police come and check it out. And they also notice that there's a dark foul smelling liquid leaking from the ceiling of his neighbors underneath him. Gross. Okay. So... They search his apartment and they find Holly's decomposing body in the trunk of his closet. Honestly, how unoriginal. Right. And how, like, you really couldn't think of a better way to dispose of a body or hide it. Right. He had out. Yeah. It's like been trying to, like, mummify her for like 18 months. It's like hiding cash in your underwear drawer. It's like, come on. Or under your mattress. Yeah. Ridiculous. Find somewhere else. Um, So her skull had been fractured in at least six places with a blunt object. So obviously Ira is arrested um, and a court date is set for 1981 um, and his bail is set at $40,000. My cat just tried to attack me. (laughs) It's fine. Um, So 1981 and she went missing in 77. Okay. Yeah. So it's been a while, um, but they had just found her body. So um, her his bail is set for $40,000. Um, he gets a really great lawyer. Um, and so after only 10% of his bail being paid, he is released. Um, and he didn't even pay his own bail. A Canadian woman named Barbara Bron- Bronfman um, paid his bail. She owned part of the world's largest distillery, Seagram's. And she just decided to pay part of his bail. Out of the goodness Um, of her heart? Right, yeah. Okay. I couldn't couldn't find why she wanted to do that. But she paid for her... She only paid 10% of his bail. So she paid $4,000 and he was released. Okay, that's... So they had to have some kind of connection that we just don't know about. Right, yeah. She probably liked... Earth Day or Earth Week or something. Oh, okay. Yeah. That makes sense. So so he's out on bail. And a few days before his trial, Ira flees to Europe. So um, he is um, 
on the lamb. He's out in Europe somewhere. <laughs> they can't find him. Okay. Um, so they spend 12 years trying to find this guy. Oh my gosh. So it's 1993 now. It's been 12 years. He's been on the run and a Philadelphia district attorney decides, you know what, we're just going to, we're just going to try him without him being here. So they're going to hold a trial in absentia, absentia. I don't know how to say that. I think it's absentia. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so they try him. Jury deliberates for a very short amount of time. They find him guilty. He's sentenced to life without parole. Um, and at this time, Ira starts calling himself the unicorn because in German, his last name Einhorn means unicorn. Well, there you um, go. Did you he, know that my last name in German means black? I didn't know that. Schwartz? It's, it's true. They think it's either because we were blacksmiths or because we came from the black forest in Germany. But Weird. the more you know. Yeah, it's definitely not your skin. It's, it is <laughs> Quite the opposite of my vampire-like complexion, correct? That's so funny. Sorry, continue. His last name in German means unicorn. Unicorn. Um, Probably because he is a unicorn or came from the (laughs) unicorn forest, you know? (laughs) Probably, yes. (laughs) So he starts calling himself the unicorn and he starts like writing a book about himself and he like collaborates with this other author. I don't know why he and Holly, I don't know why he and Holly broke up. He sounds great. Right. Yeah. He was a really great guy. Yeah. Um, and I don't like he, he gets this other girlfriend. I couldn't, I like saw her name somewhere and then couldn't find it again. So he's living with this girlfriend, um, in Europe. Um, and they finally find him, um, in 1997, living with this girlfriend in, um, a farm in Southwest France. He had been living under the name Eugene Mayon, I think, M-A-L-L-O-N. I don't, okay. know, I don't know French very well. Um, and so it's been 16 years since he first ran away. Um, and so the U.S. tries to extradite him. Um, but France initially refuses because they think that he didn't get a fair trial because he wasn't actually there when they tried him, even though as what? a... Why the hell does France care? I don't know, but they care a lot about this guy. Oh, you know what? Actually, you know what it might be? And this is just pure speculation because I remember this from a lot, an episode of Law and Order when uh-huh. somebody ran away to Canada because it's a capital crime. And like most other developed nations don't, um, don't use capital punishment. A lot of them are hesitant to extradite when they know that that yeah. person could be killed. That yeah, might have so been part of it. That comes up later. Okay. So gotcha. at at first they they say, well, like you tried him without him being there, so that's not fair. So we're not going to extradite him. Okay. Um, and so then America's like, okay, fine. Well, we'll try him again. Then that's fine. We'll get rid of this one. Um, and they end up even like passing a a bill that they nicknamed the Einhorn bill that says that if a fugitive is extradited, they are allowed to request a new trial if they've already tried them. Um, But now the thing was, is that the death penalty was back on the table for him. So now France was like, we're not going to extradite him because we don't, we abolished the death penalty. And so we're not going to send a guy back who could be killed. Um, So finally, in 2001, so he's now been in custody in France for five years. Yeah. Um, 
finally America's like, okay, we'll take the death penalty off the table. Like, let's just get him back here. So they get him back. They finally extradite him back to Philadelphia in 2001. Um, and when he gets back, his, um, his defense is that the CIA killed Holly mm-hmm. and planted her in his apartment. Probably. They were trying to frame him because he knew too much about military research into yes. paranormal activity. Oh, interesting. Yes. That was um, unlikely. And then they took it even a step further. Exactly. Okay. So, um, turns out he had done a lot of acid and a lot of LSD. (laughs) Messed his brain up a ton. Oh my God. They like went back and in like in the trial, because the prosecutors were like, we already did this, whatever. Like, we're just going to like, try and get him on this so we didn't were like they just didn't really care about trying to be like um nice about it I guess um so they went back and brought in a ton of like character evidence on him that was like he had done all this weird like like weird acidy experimenty type things with people like in college like they would like do acid trips and then like try to like um figure out how to like bring them out of it like I forget what they called it I should have written it down some kind of like acid recovery therapy type thing um so he had his brain was real messed up um so they finally they find him guilty they sentence him to life without the possibility of parole and he dies of natural causes in jail and that's the crazy story of the unicorn killer wow slash guy who helped create earth day that is crazy also very timely because earth day just happened and it was it was the 50 year anniversary of earth day which is nuts um the unicorn killer eluding justice for many moons i know seriously i don't know like for as crazy as he was i don't know how he got away with 16 years on the run in france Wow. Interesting. That had yeah. everything. Murder, had everything. environmentalism, unicorns, unicorns, words, the death penalty, France. Wow. Yeah. Good job. Well done. Yeah. You have I've a story heard- for us? I do. You know I do. Okay. Oh, do you have any sources you want to cite? Did you do that? No, oh, I didn't hear it. No, I didn't do that. Um, y- y- oh, you yeah, said, I thought you were saying you didn't have any sources. And so you're going to be like, no, 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 I did that all on my own. No, yeah, I just, I made this up. Surprise, it's a story. (laughs) Um, No, I did have sources and I didn't write them down. I didn't do a good job of writing stuff down for this story, apparently. That's okay. That's right. I Uh, just just wanted you to have the opportunity. Yeah, nope, plagiarized all of this. (laughs) I'll find find the sources and I'll, we'll we'll source them. Don't worry, guys. We'll source them. Yeah. Um, So for my sources, I have OPB, which is Oregon Public Broadcasting. Um, The Oregon Encyclopedia, our good friend Wikipedia, the New York Times, and Oregon Live, which is, it's a website. This is the story of the Hell's Canyon Massacre. What? Right? What a name. So a little back, a little background, because our story happens in the 19th century. So in, in the 19th century, particularly with the draw of the gold rush, there was a major wave of Chinese immigration to the United States. 
immigrants worked as laborers, particularly on railroads and in mines, and they suffered racial discrimination at every level of society. Um, and, and weird because this next chunk it, it will sound like I'm talking about today, uh, but it, which just shows that we there don't is have racial. Um, we just <laughs> we John have, Stewart. Sorry, go. We keep interrupting no, each other. <laughs> John Stewart used to talk about how, um, like America just likes to do the same story of shitting on whatever, like most recent race of people has come to its shores. True. Like, we're just not creative about it. We're not. Um, so employers were eager for sources of cheap labor. Uh, and per usual, uh, white people, the whites, as I like to call them, (laughs) Um, were angry that immigrants were coming in and taking Taking their their jobs jobs. (laughs) and, you know, just like bringing their culture and stealing their way of life. How dare they? How dare they? I'm just glad, I'm just glad we figured this out then and that we don't have these same issues now. Right. Yeah. (laughs) So, so for example, in 1882, um, the U S Congress passed the Chinese exclusion act, which prohibited immigration from China for the following 10 years. That was followed by a law that extended it like extended that longer. And these laws not only prevented new immigration, but also the reunion of families of thousands of Chinese men who were already living in the United States, who had left China without their wives and children, thinking that like their wives and children would follow them. Wait, Uh, this is real? Oh, the Chinese Exclusion Act? Oh, oh, absolutely. Yes. Why don't they teach this? Well, because of racism. And this is also largely like West Coast because it was Chinese immigration was largely right. the West Coast. So it's where you and I grew up and we're taught history. And there you go. Yeah. That's nuts. I didn't realize that that was even like possible that um, we could even do that. Oh, like, I mean, we're still doing it. I mean, we're doing I mean, it now in I different know, words. I know, but it's just, yeah, I guess now we're just, they're just tactful about not actually saying we don't want you here and we're going to not let you in. Now they're like, well, we like, you're a threat because of whatever, like you come from a dangerous country, like all that kind of BS. I mean, that's what they were saying about the Chinese too. Just in like, uh, they, you know, saying they're bringing disease, they're bringing crime, you know, build build a wall. Um, (laughs) So there are also laws in many Western States that prohibited uh, Chinese men from marrying white women. Classic. When so. my mom was alive, um, interracial marriage was not legal. So my mother lived through a time where Crazy. her daughter could not marry her husband. Right. And I wouldn't have been allowed to get married. That's crazy. I know. There, um, so in, in my hometown, um, my grandma always talked about how the man, the Chinese man who owned the Chinese restaurant in town in the 70s couldn't live within city limits because there were sundown laws. So he could own a business and he could work at, in the business, but he had to be out of city limits by the time the sun, the sun went down. Oh, my gosh. The 70s. That's crazy. So, yes. So this is the backdrop Ugh. to all this. Yeah. So, so glad it's different now. Oh, yeah. I'm really glad we fixed it. We're so inclusive. 
So throughout the 1880s, Chinese immigrants watched their communities be burned, attacked, and sometimes destroyed by mobs. And in some places, Chinese, they were lynched or shot while others were run out of town. And even when these things happened, they had almost no legal recourse to, to defend themselves. So that's the backstory. Cut to Snake River in Hell's Canyon, Oregon. It's a river in the northeast part of Oregon um, that like on one side is Oregon, on the western side is Oregon, on the eastern side is Idaho. Okay. Um, And in May of 1887, bodies of Chinese workers were spotted by citizens of the the town surrounding the Snake River floating in (gasps) the Snake River. Oh my God, that's so scary. Dead bodies, obviously. Yeah. And the first account they weren't the, just like in inner they, tube. They were tubing. <laughs> they were not tubing. Uh, no, they were not being pulled behind a boat. And um, the first accounts, the first you know, like rumors that started going around were that ten men had been killed. Um, but n- later they would come to I, I not identify, but count as many as thirty four bodies oh of Chinese workers. That sounds like so, something I would do. I'd see like 34 and say, yeah, it was about 10. I'm really bad at estimating that as well. Yeah. But, but I think they also, they're like floating in a river. They're not right. all like coming at the same time. Yeah. So um, they were Chinese miners who were working that area, mm-hmm. like mining gold. So the Sam Yup Company of San Francisco was the employer of these Chinese miners. And they directed um, an employee of theirs who lived in the area to pursue the matter, like figure out what happened. And he hired a judge named Joseph K. Vincent to investigate the murders. Um, And Judge Vincent reported his findings, um, like detailing, you know, the basic details of the crime to the Chinese consulate in San Francisco. And the Chinese consulate tried to get help from the U.S. State Department, but were unsuccessful in getting anyone to give a damn. Oh, weird. Yeah. So in March of 1888, one of the men who participated in the murders, a man named Frank Vaughn, came forward and confessed and agreed to testify against the other men who helped kill the miners. So um, a grand jury, or indicts, sorry, not convicts, indicts six local men for the murder of these miners. Um, Well, immediately three of them flee the area and are never caught. Mm. Um, Some accounts suggest that they took some of the gold with them. They obviously stole all the miners' gold and buried the rest, but that has never been confirmed. Treasure. And the right treasure, and but the rest, the the other three were declared innocent by a jury in oh, September yeah. after a two day trial. Oh my gosh! Um, meaning that absolutely no one was punished yeah. for this crime. Oh so gosh. that's what about the guy who testified against them? Was he because he confessed? That's pretty. That, that's a good question. He confessed, but then the other guys were found innocent. So I just think he went along his merry way as yeah. well. Yeah. So over the years, the massacre was largely forgotten. Um, so in 1995, uh, the Wallawa County clerk, which is the county where this all happened, which by the way, Wallawa County, the entire county's population is like 7,000 people. Like oh my it's gosh. very small. Oh my gosh. Um, she was emptying out a safe that was being donated to the county museum. 
when she came across some old court documents, including, right, including a copy of the 1888 grand jury indictment, details of an escape from the jail um, by the leader of the gang, and a lengthy deposition that Frank Vaughn gave um, and his version of how the murders occurred Uh um, and notes from the trial. So, and obviously Frank Vaughn's deposition was probably some of it was true. A lot of it was like, I didn't do anything and everyone else did all of it. Yeah. Um, But he acknowledged witnessing the shooting and provided important additional details of what actually happened that day. So the picture that this, that all these documents painted was that the gang of local men first attacked the camp of 13 Chinese workers from the bluffs that were overlooking the cove. And they intentionally came at them from this direction so that when the miners went to try and escape them, two of their other guys would be like directly in their path. Um, So initially 12 Chinese workers were killed and the men stole like what was then like $5,500 worth in gold. The next day, eight more workers returned to the camp by boat where the gang shot and killed them. Oh my gosh. Throwing a total of 21 bodies into the Snake River. The gang then stole their boats and traveled four miles down the river to the next camp of workers where they killed 13 more Oh my workers, gosh. Um, and retrieved $50,000 worth of gold. Oh. In the notes of a man, so in the notes of like the trial, there was a quote from a man who attended the trial. I'm also not going to use the, what is now a slur referring to these um, immigrants in it, but he said, I guess if they had killed 31 white men, something would have been done about it, but none of the jury knew the workers, insert slur here, or cared much about it. So they turned the men loose. Yeah. And that's from a guy who was at the trial. Right. So in 2005, the U.S. Board on Geographic Names approved giving the name Chinese Massacre Cove to the site of the massacre, the first official recognition of the crime. Jeez. And in June of 2012, a memorial to honor the slain Chinese miners was installed at the site of the massacre overlooking the Snake River. The memorial was financed entirely with private donations, and it is inscribed in three languages, English, Chinese, and Nez Pierce, which is the local native peoples. And that is the story of the Hell's Canyon Massacre. Oh my gosh. Isn't Why that is it crazy? When was it called Hell's Canyon? Was that was it called that before all of this? It was. Oh my yes. gosh. You yeah. should have known. Don't name things like Hell's Canyon. You are just asking for trouble. Oh my gosh, that's so crazy. And it's so sad how like, it wasn't until like literally like now that people did anything and they, I mean, they, they did as much as they could, but it's, it's hard to like give them any more justice other than like doing, putting a memorial up because it happened so long ago. And Mm -hmm. it's not like they can pay like retribution to their families. Right. And because I, not retribution, what is that word? Or restitution. Restitution. Um, Because even like, I'm sure there weren't great records of like who yeah. these men were. Um, and yeah, I just thought that story was so interesting. And I'm like, I'm so glad that it was acknowledged and that there's a memorial yeah. there because I think that like we do overlook or aren't educated 
in like racial discrimination against like Asian immigrants. Right. And it's like, you read about it and you're like, oh, literally there's nothing new. Like we've been, it's just a different people group. It's just a different people group. We're saying the same things about them, about how like they're dirty and they're taking our jobs and they're ruining our country. Um, But I was just like very glad that they didn't just find those documents and be like, oh, interesting history. Like they actually did something about it. Yeah. Dang. Hell's Canyon Massacre. Hell's Canyon Massacre. Um, I didn't look up a detox question. Did you? Um, I didn't, but... Um, actually I heard a really good question the other day that I haven't thought of my answer yet either, but, um, cause Ryan's sister Raina asked me this question. Um, so this is our, our detox question. So where we detox from all the lovely things we just talked about and our um, two buck as chuck. well as the two buck Chuck that we've had. Um, so Sarah, if you could go to any movie set and take movie or TV set and take one of the props and keep it, <gasps> mm. what would it be? You know, and I'll tell you Raina's answer. Raina said she would go to Harry Potter. I think it was the Goblet of Fire and take the Golden Snitch. Wow. That yeah. is much cooler than the answer I'm going to give you. But also Raina is much cooler than I am. So yeah. I guess we, we, that, that checks out. Yeah. Um, I my the first thing that came to my head was I would go to Luke's Diner in Gilmore Girls. Oh, that's good. And I would take a coffee cup. That's good. Yeah. What about you? I don't know. I'm having a hard time because right now what I'm like all the stuff that I watch is like animated stuff with Micah. Yeah. And we're really into Moana right now. So I'm <laughs> like I would want to go take the the heart. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I can't do that since it's animation. So Ryan said he would take the blue French horn from How I Met Your Mother. Oh, yeah. And I thought that was good, too. That is a good one. That is a definite good one. Then my other immediate thought was I would go to Titanic and take the heart of the ocean. (laughs) Go big or go home, girl. Right. (laughs) Because I love Titanic. And I'd wear that thing all the time, just like every day. We'd be like, what are you wearing? And be like, you know, the heart, heart of the ocean. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Well done. I know. Um, thanks for listening. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to yeah. wherever to us wherever you find your podcasts. Wherever you're listening to us now. Go ahead and do it. Germany, we really um, need you to step up. We know you're listening. I know. Germany has passed up the Netherlands. So what I that area they must like know that we're from there they must know that like you're from the Schwartz forest or or they're just laughing at a bunch of dumb Americans who yeah, can say that's true. that's true um send us your detox questions or um any stories you'd like us stories, to cover yeah to what is our email address um lwtruecrime at gmail.com and, and also follow us on instagram at yeah, lightweight true crime true crime and yeah, that's it. Uh, <laughs> I almost just said, never mind. It's not important. Uh, <laughs> okay, we're going crazy over here, guys. We've had too oh, much chuck. Stay safe. Wash your hands. Donate to your local food bank. Amen. A woman. Goodbye. Cheers. Cheers.
Beep bop boop. That's what, that's what I text my parents at night when I'm home and I've set my alarm because it makes a sound like that. And so they say, okay, text us beep up boop when you get home. Oh my so, gosh. So I say beep up boop. boop. <laughs> that's so cute. 